Hello, everybody. Live from a heat wavy Los Angeles, even though it's fall. It's 98 degrees, and this is the Ozone. I'm your host, Omar Miller. I'm here with my brother, Terry Miller, a.k.a. The Icons, who has a photo behind him that's not me, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's one, of, one of many brothers. I don't know. Maybe if I'm not on the wall, I'll just leave the country. You never know. You know. Maybe <laughs> Thank <that>. you. Please. <laughs> you promise? <laughs> if you do, let them build a wall behind you so you can't get back over it. <laughs> Folks, 16 days to the election. What are you doing? Have you voted? Vote early. Get out there. Save the country. Um, I, have, I have voted. I voted. I've gotten well. my man. I voted yeah. in person early. First day possible in Los Angeles. So, a lot of sports to cover and a lot to recap. Um, huge fight tonight between Vasily Lomachenko and Tiafimo Lopez. Huge fight. And even though everybody's billing it as the most anticipated fight of the year, I argue that it is actually not the most anticipated fight of the year because I don't think this is more anticipated by the general public than Fury Wilder was at all. Right. Rematch. Which is now canceled. Yeah, that That's a different piece. I'm talking about how it was, the Fury Wilder oh. fight that already happened. Mm. Um, uh, but I digress. What's happening in the immediate sense is Major League Baseball is pressing the issue and it's going down. Wow, wow, wow. Today. It's going down. Probably by the time you hear this podcast, it's going down. I see you representing Houston strong. Houston coming back, jumped out. It, it played out exactly like we predicted. The Rays had too much pitching uh, and and very timely offense. And they jumped out to a 3-0 lead. And, and great defense. Great defense, which is the pitching is a, is a part of that. One of the things that I found that's really, really interesting is that they have uh, – just that timely hitting, timely double plays, timely hitting, timely strikeouts. They had a knack in the first three games to make the Astros do every single thing that they needed them to do to, to ensure their victory. And it felt like they were cruising. And then suddenly the Astros, former champions, got their backs against the wall and they exploded. Right. And this is where it comes down to them, this whole trash can thing, because those guys swing the stick. They're clutch hitters. They're, they're situational hitters. They play the game the right way. You know, look at George Springer. They put that crazy shift on him yesterday. He hit the ball the other way, just took his pitch and went the other way and blew the game open, really. I those, think that those, what we're seeing those are small, big, small plays, but big plays, you know? I think that what we're seeing in general is shifts not working more than they're working. And I think that I, I, I hope at the wrong time, <laughs> and, you know, and I hope that this is a new era that hitters are understanding that if they're going to give you the whole side of the field, use it. You're a professional hitter. Right. You know, you Freddie Freeman, Freeman do it. Uh, yeah. Freddie Freeman. He, he did it. It was big, too. It was huge. big, <laughs> huge. And, you know, so it staying with this Astros and Rays series, though, it's very interesting because now the Astros have stormed back. And it's they need every single ounce and out of every game to make it happen. They walked off on a Carlos Correa bomb. Uh, they, they barely they, squeaked over the fence. I mean, I <laughs> barely got over the fence. And it, it's it's a uh, I man and Dusty Baker. I can't front on Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker is doing his job. And it seems he's like, making the right calls. He's, he's sure making is. the right calls at the right time. Not listening to the data. And that's going by feel. And it seems yeah. as though the playoffs are making it more and more clear that this is about feel for management and playing the game as opposed to data and analytics right? Uh, in both series. Which is great because analytics is getting exploited at this point. They have a place in the game, but they should not be. The game should not be guided by analytics. 
It's just, what do, it's just what do you doesn't. see happening in this race game that's about to start? Honestly, as much as I love the Astros, everybody knows. Yeah, well, I, it's going to come down to the bullpens. And and one of the biggest things that the Astros – because Lance McCullers is just a year off of Tommy John, so he doesn't have his stuff yet. So everybody should recognize that. And he, I don't know how long he'll be able to go. So when it talks, when we talk about all hands on deck, I have to go with the Rays again. Although I want the Astros to go, I do believe that the Rays are going to take it. Yeah, it's hard not to go against the, it's hard not to go against the Astros because of the history and everything. Despite them swinging the stick, there's a weird Chuck Knoblocky kind of thing that happened to Jose Altuve this series with him right. not being able to throw the ball to first base and field the ball. But he sure is swinging a big stick. This guy seems like he's home run every day. But Damn it, George Springer, man, it's crazy. And Correa's back swinging it. Now the person right. they need to get going is Yuli Gurriel. He's the key because he's a super clutch guy that they've been able to keep under control. Him and Bregman. Both of those guys have not been rolling. Did you see um, Yuli Gurriel's lifetime batting average with the bases drunk? It's over 500. Before this series, it was above 500. Yes. I think he's only gotten up once, though. He was like 533. Yeah. This is crazy. That's crazy. And we're talking about about 50 at-bats, more or less. Yes, it wasn't like a little crumb. This is, <laughs> this is him getting his ABs. <laughs> getting his ABs and doing that work. That's a very impressive. Super impressive, man. So I think that I, I'm pulling for the race. I actually, I like the kids they got over there. I like the ragtag crew they put together with a bunch of, uh, you know, send-offs, if you will, from other teams. They finally mm-hmm. invested in some hitting to go along with all that pitching that they have. And I love the fact that Manuel Margot has found a home over there. Well, I really like this format, to be honest. Uh, for one, I like them playing every day. But I like this format because guys like Manuel Margot and Hunter Renfro, who actually grew up playing in San Diego at Petco, are now actually playing like they're playing at home. Right. That's cool, boy. Yeah. But, but now it turns into a war of attrition because you're talking about all of the bullpens being spent the other day when they went a little bit over. And, um, you know, yeah. every now it's going to come down to the bullpens. And that's why I believe that the Tampa Bay Rays are going to win eventually because went out because Kevin Cash did something that was smart yesterday. He looks like he decided that they were going to lose. He and so he just he left that kid in there. He let that kid in there to take the lumps and just let all his guys get rest because you can see the Diego Castillo's breaking ball wasn't, wasn't what it, it usually is. Sharp. His, his fuzz wasn't fuzz, yeah. <laughs> you know, so he let some of these guys get their stuff, and today they're probably going to be back and, you know, be on point. Yeah, I agree. Great move. Kevin Cash is a great manager. He's, he is. He really, he Especially with the crew that he has because he doesn't have superstars. No, no prima donnas or anything. No. He has a, a team. No, he has a team, and they all believe. Right. And anybody it hurts them with Kevin Kiermaier, hopefully. You think Kevin Kiermaier is coming back today? I hope so. I haven't read the report, so I don't know whether or not he's on. But he's a key component for that team as a leader and as a performer. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm going with the Rays. Uh, very excited about that. And the Dodgers-Braves series has been completely lopsided. And it's been very interesting because when the Braves win, they win by a lot. When the Dodgers win, they win by a lot. <laughs> and the game that was the tightest game Unfortunately, once again, we find ourselves in a position, I find myself in a position, to be a Clayton Kershaw apologist. Now, I want to break something down for you guys because break it down. once again, we're in the hey. we're in the sports center culture. We want the highlights and we don't watch the game. That game was one one into the sixth inning, and that kid, the rookie Bryce Wilson, threw a gym. And sure Clayton Kershaw was throwing a gym. 
problem is, is when you watch the news and when you watch the highlights, you would never know that Clayton Kershaw even had a good outing because all you see is them roping his bad inning him in one bad inning. Now, one bad inning, which was prefaced. I have been reading on social media. A lot of people saying Kurt shouldn't even have came out there for the third time through the lineup, blah, 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 blah. I actually don't buy into that. He's a starting pitcher. He's the franchise. Uh, I Listen, I paid a guy $310 million and he's given up one run over five. Guess what he's doing? He's pitching the sixth inning. Until he gets gutted. Uh, until, until at least he gets in trouble. So, but the issue that I have is it was... But, but- but the thing of it is, he he jumped into bad trouble fast. You know, it just it just snowballed on him really, really quick. So he didn't they didn't have a chance. It was almost like they didn't have a chance to see that he was in trouble before the wheels had fallen off. Well, yes and no, but this is where I was going with it. Uh, is that the problem became about when Acuna leads off the inning, top of the lineup, one of the best hitters in baseball, and he leads off the inning with a ball that barely squeaks past Clayton Kershaw's glove, and he tries to dive and make a play. He can't make the play. Kike Hernandez comes in, makes a bare hand stab, throws the first, throws it away. The ball gets by Muncie. This was the setup for the wheels to fall off because what ends up happening is he threw the ball away. It goes into the dugout, which puts Acuna on second base. Kershaw, to this point, had induced, I think, three double plays. Pitchers know how to make hitters do what they don't want to do, <laughs> but what, right. the, what the pitcher and the defense wants you to do. The gift of pitching. Acuna on first with no outs and Freddie Freeman coming up is a completely different scenario with Acuna on second with no outs and Freddie Freeman up. Was a lot that happens in this little moment that really needs to be addressed. You can argue that Kike could have just ate the ball. The play was close enough that you can say, actually, maybe he throws it. As a former first baseman, it is imperative that Max Muncy does not let the ball get by him. It doesn't matter whether or not you get the out when you see that the throw is suspect. That ball getting by Max Muncy cost them the game. I don't want to hear about how Clayton Kershaw cost them the game because the whole thing is situational. And in baseball, tiny things make such a big difference. Sure does. Acuna ends up on second base. Muncy let the ball go by. Instead of kicking back to him, it goes into the dugout, a baseball break, a a Braves break, if you will. And what ends up happening is Freddie Freeman then, they have the shift on because uh, because the runner's on second base. Freddie Freeman hits a rocket that ends up being a double despite the fact that it doesn't get to the wall. Once again, you can argue that there was some mispositioning on Muncie's part. Uh, and so they swap places. Now they're down two to one. Okay, two to one is still manageable. But you got trouble because you got no outs. And you got Marcelo Zuna, who's arguably swinging the hottest bat in baseball besides Corey Seager coming up. Randy and that kid, Randy Azarina. Nobody's hotter than Randy Azarina. <laughs> <laughs> that boy on fire! <laughs> he's a blue fanner. He is a bomb every day. And so what ends up happening? Kershaw. Get, had given up a home run to Ozuna to tie the game in the, the last at bat. But in the first at bat, he had struck Ozuna out. What happened? Kirsch jumps ahead, as a good pitcher does. He jumps ahead of Ozuna. He gets him 0-2. And I want to say that the account goes 1-2, and Ozuna hangs back waiting on the curveball because he had hit a bomb on the fastball, so he knew that Kirsch was going to be scared to throw the fastball. Now, follow me on this story. 
this goes to a greater overall theme of what's happening in Major League Baseball in the playoffs right now. I'm watching Dustin May in the game yesterday. Now, this is game four that I was talking about with Kershaw. Dustin May in the game yesterday throws 99 consistently that dances all over the place. The guy gets up 0-2 on the young kid, the rookie Pache, and tries to nibble and hangs a curveball over the outside part of the plate on an 0-2 pitch instead of throwing that dirty two-seamer that we've seen wrap up Manny Machado and countless other hitters. Right. The kid stays back, hits the ball in the center field. The scoring commences. Clearly, the 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 tide turned on another small play in that game that we'll talk to shortly. Point being, I'm watching Tyler Glass now throw 99, get beat on a curveball, on a slider, nibbling. I'm watching uh, all of these guys get beat, not on their best pitch, in the in the situation that requires your best pitch. Right. I'm also watching guys, pitchers, walk guys. This is the bane of your existence, and it's something that I wish that I knew back when I used to pitch. You can't walk guys. You can't give guys free bags in the major leagues. It just doesn't work. They know how to convert. They know how to convert. And so uh, all of them keep the converter in the back of the truck. (laughs) (laughs) Hand me that converter back there. (laughs) (laughs) I got to take her. And speaking of which, Goggins told me on set the other day, just like you did, and I forgot all about it. I need to plug in that generator. It'll go bad. I still never plugged it in. Oh, wow. Yeah, I played myself in my earthquake preparedness kit. Anywho, so Kershaw gets knocked out because Ozuna hits a double. They trade places. Now we're looking at uh, runner on second, still with no outs, down three to one. Gratterall comes in, and they they knock him around. Once again, a tired, a fatigue situation where he's been throwing a bit too much. He's a young kid. They went down the line. Also some positioning that was suspect on uh, Justin Turner and the Dodgers part. Anyways, they lose the game. The point of the story is really analyze the performance of the pitchers and the players that you support because you would be led to believe that Clayton Kershaw is a bum if you just watch the highlights. And I'm here to say that's not the case. Well, Azuna set him up, though. Going back to where you were before, Azuna set him up because Azuna took some cheese that was straight down the middle and the and the announcers were like, oh, he missed his pitch. But he was sitting there waiting for the breaking ball because he knew that he was going to bring it to him after the fact because he felt like oh, Clayton Kershaw, and I don't know if that was Will Smith behind the dish, but yeah. felt like, oh, yeah, we got him. And he said, <laughs> and Uzuna was like, no, nah, really. he's, he's scared. That he's scared of the 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 cheese. Uh-huh, or the back foot slider. But he was sitting there waiting on that 12 to 6. He's waiting on the 12 to 6. And Kerr Stewart was on it. an 0-2 pitch, which was a surprise. Mm-hmm. He was expecting a freeze. Mm-hmm. And he so he outwit his right him like he did in the first at bat. Right. <laughs> he went boomstick, so he was so scared that he was going to hit another two-run bomb. <laughs> but <laughs> that bomb's if, real. If we fast forward into the series, Braves jump out again, two to nothing. The the key to the Braves' success has been jumping out. They haven't played from behind much, and I haven't seen evidence that they can play from behind, to be honest. What the Dodgers have done that's really impressive, though, in the games, the, the one game that they won, they put up the historic number. We don't even need to talk about it. that. Was craziness. Um, that was like literally like the video game. Uh, but in this game that they won yesterday, what was so impressive was they were down two to nothing, and it was the defense and Mookie Betts that sparked the comeback because Ozuna made a mental mistake by not tagging up, and somebody caught it. I don't know who caught it because when they showed the replay, Justin Turner definitely wasn't looking at it. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was one of the one of the bench coaches. Yeah, somebody caught him creeping off, and Mookie that catch itself was spectacular. That Mookie's Mookie the best player in baseball. This is why I always talk about it because he does so many game changing things that are small sure that look and, and that, that turn out. Dodger fan, not to interrupt you. I've just been speaking to some Dodger fans. They're like, "Man, Mookie's kind of letting us down." Like, man, are you crazy? You guys wouldn't even be there without him. Yeah. You see that where you see where Cody Seager is in the lineup. I mean, uh, uh, Cody Bellinger is in the lineup right now. The six hole. He he struggles. Yes, he he can't. I don't know what it is because everybody writes Clayton Kershaw, but he's an everyday player that he's actually an everyday can't player that doesn't perform in the playoffs. And in real life, if he didn't have big money and they, you know, and everything else, you would have to sit a guy like him because he's a liability at this point. He gives you great defense, but right now you need offense a lot of times. I, he I has great details for that. I'm really surprised because I don't. I would like to know who he worked with in the outfield because he gives you great center field now. Yeah, he he has great angles. You know, he knows how to go back on the ball. He, you know, he knows how to read the fence. He does all the things that you need to do to be a above average center fielder. But offensively in the playoffs, last couple of years, he can't produce exactly huh? offensively. Yes, so, and so he would be an offensive. He would be a defensive replacement, pretty much. So what you're seeing is. His potential, which I still think is valid because they have plenty of firepower in the lineup, especially when A.J. Pollock is in the game. But we go to the point Mookie sparks the comeback with the defense and then the offense loosens up. And once again, Will Smith, the pitcher, comes in and can't throw strikes. And Will Smith, the hitter, comes in and goes to launch. Well, and Will Smith set him up. You know, yeah. because they threw that pre, they stayed, they lived there in that, and in that, um, in that, trying to get that inside strike, and eventually they put one right in his in his wheelhouse where he just had to drop the hit on the ball. Yep, the ball took off. That ball took <laughs> off. And so, one final note about that game last night was that we saw an appearance of a resurrected Kenley Jansen. I've been keeping a close eye on Kenley Jansen the last few seasons, and obviously he's been on the decline, which I hate because I really like Kenley Jansen as a person, and he's had some personal health issues that I really feel like have affected his game. Um, But last night, in a non-super leverage situation, the game was 7-3, Kenley Jansen came in, and it looked like it was 2014. He was throwing 94. His cutter had bite. He looked he had really a lot of effective. Rest. He had a lot of rest. And I think that it was very important for Dave Roberts. I think he did the, really did the right thing that Dave Roberts let the big fella get in there and get his confidence up because he dominated. He went in there and dominated. And well, you only have one game left. <laughs> so you don't have the last game. Every game is your last, last game. game. If, and if it was me just watching the games as I do, I would still have to go with Blake Trinan. Blake Trinan is dominant still. Okay. I mean, he's – very hard to hit. He throws in the upper upper 90s with crazy movement on his pitches. I mean, his, all of his pitches are explosive. That's not what I'm saying, though. I know what, what you're saying, saying but I'm just saying that. a mixed that bag of what, with playing every day, managing the bullpen is essential. You're seeing guys get tired, and you're also seeing hitters, since they're in the major leagues, square up guys because they've seen them more than once. Mm-hmm. And having Kenley Jansen not be a factor as far as you can't count on him to get any outs in any circumstance, not necessarily to close the game. Right. The idea that you could bring him in in the sixth or the seventh and he actually could get you a double play with that cutter or something like that is really big in comparison to just saying, you know what, we got to get Gratterall back out there. Uh, We got to get Trinan back out there. That extra boost is, you know, and his confidence being there, that's a big deal in my opinion. 
I I agree with you because it, uh, most of the game is about having confidence. The, this is where the whole game is about having confidence in baseball. It's yeah, all between your ears. Yeah. It's all between your ears. What ninety percent of it? So you obviously have the physical talent, but you have to be able to get to execute that on the field. And when Kenley gets into games all the time, especially during this regular season, gets bounced around. It's always that seed of doubt has been planted. So when he's out there playing, and then as soon as things start going wrong, he's 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 waiting himself, like Clayton Kershaw in a lot of ways. Yeah. When he's in these tight one nothing games where he doesn't get run support, and he's waiting for the wheels to that's fall off, just like Ken Lee. Left out. That that's the other piece that I left out. They gave him a Dodgers special. I would love to know what Clayton <laughs> number one please career, <laughs> career run support is because it's got to be less than three. He's got to get less than three runs a start. I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 1.7 or something crazy like that. Yeah, something we've watched crazy. this guy do stuff we've never seen any pitcher do ever. And most of the time, he's also involved offensively in his own run support over the years. Right. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. The Dodgers did the same thing with Kevin Brown. The Dodgers have done the same thing over the years with a lot of people. With a lot of primetime pitchers. And then they leave, usually. <laughs> the data shows that they, they leave the science and they go to the <laughs> that they need to get out of Dodger Stadium. They, they go to the Yankees and get paid and they get some run support. Right. Doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's unfair to the pitchers because what people have to realize is that when you're pitching like that and you give up, you, you're you in a one-run game, every pitch means so much. Every pitch means so much I anyway, try. but it's amplified because now I can't afford to make a mistake and, it, and eventually if I do something 100 times, meaning throwing a pitch 100 times, I'm going to make a mistake in between that. You know what I'm saying? So there's going to be mistakes made within a 100, 100 pitch there has uh, to be. total. Yeah, yeah, there, there has to be. And you're hoping that the guy doesn't, you know, that, that whoever you make the mistake to doesn't capitalize, but they're in the major leagues as well. So their job is right. to capitalize when you make that mistake. Yeah. You got to pay. You got to pay. The words of G-Dub. <laughs> uh, so game's coming up shortly. We got Max Fried versus Walker Bueller. Corey Seager is the hottest guy on in the Dodgers lineup. You could argue he's the hottest guy in baseball. He had two bombs yesterday. We've spoken about this before. Corey Seager was the franchise circa 2017, 16, something like that. Right. Blew out his elbow. He got hurt, and the Dodgers organization and the fans treated him like he was trade bait, like he was a nobody, which is just it, I was it's blown away to the two of us. Yeah. We because he's actually Corey a guy Seager. that can hit everybody. <laughs> we saw Corey Seager at Clayton Kershaw's ping pong event, and I made it a point to go up to him when he was rehabbing from his Tommy John to tell him that some of the fans still really support him and know to keep his head up because he's going to be the man again. And that right. time is now. Because when you watch that kid swing the stick when he's in the zone, forget about it. He's just as good as anybody in the game. As anybody. He's yeah. got big pop. He's He can hit the ball all over the field. He's situational. He understands the game. You can tell that he's been playing it forever. So, you know, it, it's all second nature for, for him. He doesn't have to actually go into a whole process of thinking about what he's going to do. He knows what he needs to do when he gets on the field. Which then, inform, then, then in turn informs his defense because then his defense gets better. It, right. It's, it's, uh, it, that kid's a problem. And I'm very interested to see what happens against Max Fried today because Seager, they asked him after the game, what did he think? And he said, well, you know what? Most of the guys hadn't seen Freed at the least in a year, maybe even longer. He goes, some of these guys have never seen him. Some of them hadn't seen him in a year or two years. 
He goes, hopefully now, tomorrow, that we've seen him in the game one, we can actually get to him this time. It was really honest. I'd suggest looking up his his uh, his conversation, his post game. I it was. Really I definitely honest. know what he's. I know. I definitely know what he's talking about. But Max Fried stuff translate. It doesn't matter if you've seen him several times. He and the the more he pitches, the better he's going to get. Especially in a season like this, where he hasn't had to log a lot of innings. He shut down the Reds. I mean, the guy can pitch. The guy can, the guy flat, can out pitch. flat out pitch. He's a younger version of Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, he reminds you know, he's you of a California young- product. He understands the game. He's been playing it forever. He, you know, it, it's real. It's, it's not real. like he he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Now the issue becomes Walker Bueller is a power pitcher, and the Braves are power pitcher hitters. <laughs> and this is going to be an interesting game to say. Can the we least. say that five times fast. <laughs> They're power pitcher hitters. 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 That's six. I'm a professional, sir. (laughs) So I digress. I've been saying the whole time that I was scared. I said it on the CBS uh, sports show. I've said it here. I think that the Braves beat the Dodgers, but I'm hoping against hope that somehow or another the Dodgers pull it out and that we get a chance for Kirsch to redeem himself in seven. That's what I'm hoping for. You think they'll give him game seven? Who else are they going to go with? Who knows, man? They're probably going with with Urias. With the way that the Dodgers run their program nowadays, <laughs> I, have, I have no First idea. Might dude. be in left field. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the analytics told them. In the fifth. <laughs> All game. <laughs> All right, moving on. Just want to get a quick one out before the fights and the games start. Moving on, we'd be remiss and not talk about LeBron James and what this win means for his legacy and the Lake Show. They pulled out a game, just like the icon said, a blowout of the Miami Heat in that game seven. An absolute blowout. It was necessary. It (laughs) It had to be this way, CJ. (laughs) And uh, tell me what you think about what this does for King James and his legacy and and his ability to to translate, because he had a lot to say when he was caressing that Larry O'Brien trophy. He had a lot to say about respect, about his own personal respect and, you know, what – he just wants his respect as well as the team wants their respect. Right. Well, legacy-wise, I really didn't feel like it. Of course, every win amplifies his legacy, but he's always he's already one of the greatest of all time. And one of the problems is – Hands down. Yeah, yeah he, he understands that he doesn't get the respect that he's supposed to get, and which is very unfortunate, not even from the refs. They, he's a guy that's a smaller version of Shaquille O'Neal but brings more just as much attention to him – as a Shaquille O'Neal did. He, you know, you have three or four guys guarding him at one time. You got, you know, he gets hit every time he goes to the basket, and a lot of times he doesn't get calls. But, you know, the respect factor is very unfortunate because we're not respecting the fact of what we're seeing during our generation. Everybody embraced Michael Jordan, but nobody, and, and a lot of people embrace LeBron James, but we don't embrace him like as we should, not just as a basketball player, but as a humanitarian. The guy's a great guy's and special talent on and off court. And I think that everybody should respect that. And we can get into the arguments of greatest of all time. I don't personally feel like him or it's Michael Jordan necessary. are the greatest. Yeah, it's not necessary. I don't think it's him or Michael Jordan. They both have their special place <laughs> in 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 the history. But what he's just done now is special. I really like what I really like to see about LeBron James now is him. People bring up his age, but it's him 
converting him, him actually transitioning into an older player. And he's still not trying to do the things that he did when he was younger. He's actually turned into a more of a facilitator. He takes over the game when he needs to. He does the things that he needs to, to get his team over the hump, but he's not worried about being the man. He's deferring. He's deferring to Anthony Davis. He's deferring to the other dudes that are on the team. that can't do their job, but he is deferring <laughs> and, and they are getting the job done. Un- hopefully, fortunately, they'll surround him with talent. I just read an article talking about CP3 maybe coming out this way. Well, you know, they cheated CP3 in the Lakers uh, years ago when he was supposed to play with Kobe Sure Bryant. did. And he was in his prime. Yeah, when he was in his prime. And um, honestly, there's a lot of bums who just came up and got a ring from LeBron James' greatness. And You're going to throw some names out? I'm not even going to throw no names out. Y'all know who they are. Uh, <laughs> but, but they Should they share a ring? ring. They got it done. No, they they get it. They got their ring. They got it done. I think that the issue becomes it's good for the city, especially in this dark time in 2020. And um, it's good for That's my Halloween game. costume. <laughs> I'm going to be 2020 for Halloween. <laughs> Don't. <The> Grim Reaper. <laughs> Scare everybody to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's good for the city. And it's, it's, it's good that LeBron James, after signing that deal, was able to do this and manage his personal interests when it comes to Hollywood and everything else that he has going. I can't say enough about the man getting the NBA owners to open the arenas in all the 30 cities to be voted. That is so big. It's already making an impact in Georgia where they have something like 300 voting machines in the arena there. And people, especially when they're, they, they, you know, Georgia was focusing on suppressing the vote. Exactly. That's very important. Exactly. Same thing goes in Florida. Same thing goes in a lot of places. So mm-hmm. I can't say enough about LeBron James. The only thing that I wish he didn't do was settle for as many jumpers. He made it a point to say that it was important for him to win and win this way meaning the way that he plays the game. I think it showed a lot of mental fortitude for him to be able to go down to the bubble and stay focused. I cannot give enough kudos to the NBA and Adam Silver for putting their bubble together and not getting one positive coronavirus test. It's very impressive. Like They figured it out. Yeah, extremely impressive. And for the players, had to have the discipline to go along with it. So I really, uh, kudos to the NBA for, for resuming the season. I was surprised. I didn't believe, and that's why we took so long to bring the Ozone back. But we're back. Lake Shore champions once again, and eventually there will be a parade on Figueroa. And uh, I just I can't say nothing about LeBron James. I just I can't say it. He just, right. He's he's man. He's all. True I'm sorry. Man. He's, all, he's all true man. He, he is ATM. ATM. Thank God we don't have to talk about basketball in that soft, weak game anymore because it's hard to watch because the fundamentals, if they played fundamentally, the Lakers should have swept through the bubble. Uh, right. They don't. And the thing that I'll finish my thought, what I was going to say is I just wish LeBron didn't settle for jumpers as much. And in the closeout games, what you saw was him not settling for jumpers and him being to the rack. And you saw how completely unstoppable he was when he decided to do that. You know, also, one of the things in a shout out to Jimmy Butler, because Jimmy Butler put himself on the map for a lot of people who didn't recognize his greatness before this series. Right. Um, one of the things is, is that, you know, when you recognize him going to the rack, how much punishment can you take, though? I mean, these dudes are giants out there. And eventually you have to he doesn't even get fouled most of the time. They get out of the way. I, I, I do not agree because you watch guys who way. literally grab him while he's going full speed. And I'm blown away that they, he, he doesn't fall. I mean, that shows how strong his core is and how great condition he is. He doesn't get hurt. These dudes are hacking him. And this is what I'm talking about before. How hard in the league anymore, T. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. So it, it, he gets hit. I had to break. These dudes are giants, man. Yeah. So these dudes are, I, I disagree. 
What, what he's a giant. With? So you think he should sit back there and shoot jumpers all day? No, I don't. I'm just saying that him taking punishment was that that's what the punishment does when you go to the rack because you're taught to punish guys who's coming inside the key, right? That's what you like to do you're yourself. Not, you're not taught that now. Now you want to take a charge. Meets <laughs> LeBron James at the rim. They don't do that anymore. They, they hit him before he gets there. All the more reason why he's so unstoppable. He would be unstoppable in the physical league because of his yeah. physical dimension. But it's right. all the more reason that you got seven footers now trying to take charges. Anthony Davis is taking a charge. Kelly Olynyk is taking a charge. Dwight, Dwight Howard went out there and forced him this year, but there's not a lot of guys doing that. <laughs> Dwight Howard went rogue on me this year. Boy, oh. he gave me a great job on Howard work. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said Ron Howard. Jawan. Yeah, he did. Jawan. Yeah, boy. That rubber, that running rebel work. <laughs> yeah. uh, he wasn't a rebel. He was a Michigan Wolverine. Oh, yeah, he sure was, huh? Yeah. He's a Wolverine. He was Fab Five. He was all universe in college. Oh, my God. Couldn't stop Jawan. Jawan, I think, was the first dude to get that $100 million deal. He got cake. <laughs> That's when the game became global when they distributed through global changed everything so final topic of the day before this sports day really begins i know you're probably out watching college football but it's time to talk about a huge fight there's several fights tonight and uh several fights we need to cover but we need to get back to that because there's one fight we need to talk about right now and that is for the 135 pound unified champion basically the fight is between Vasily Lomachenko, regarded as many as the top pound-per-pound pound fighter in the world for the last maybe three years, uh, and the young gunner, Teofimo Lopez, who's all confidence and and lots of power. Who you got and why? I have Teofimo. One of the reasons is the power, and the other reason is just like we just spoke about in baseball, confidence. He understands and he feels like he can actually do it, and I believe that he can do it. He just, If he believes that he can do it, I honestly believe that this kid can do it because I've seen Lomachenko have flaws in his armor. And one of the things, just like when he fought Luke Campbell or whatever, he, he got hit hard, and you can see that it, it, it hurts him, which hurts everybody, but it, it, throws his game, it, it throws his game off, just like when he got hurt by Linares. And I feel like Tiafimo is actually the guy that can get him out of there. I think Tiafimo can actually stop him. The, and this is, I think, the way Tiafimo wins is by stopping him. I don't think you outbox Loma. I think no. that I think that Loma's way too skilled to get outboxed. Even though I believe Loma's actually a natural one thirty, not a one thirty fiver. And I think Tiafimo actually is going to end up at one forty. Uh, right when it's all said and done, if not one forty seven. I mean, he's a really young guy. Uh, but he's got with a lot of thump. With a lot of thump. I was just about to say he's got this height advantage, the reach advantage, the power advantage, and just Loma, have this. Loma has the experience and the and the and the boxing finesse advantage. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a very interesting fight, and it's become personal, of which apparently started by a confrontation between Loma and Teofimo's dad when Teofimo's dad was drunk, and so. Teofimo has been chasing Loma down. He's wanted this fight probably before he even should have wanted this fight. Right. And he might be, it still might be a little too early. It might be. We And we're going to find out in a couple hours. I think that the key is, is the confidence and who's making adjustments. Difference is Loma gets hit by Teofimo. He has the potential to not get up. Not right. like getting, getting put down by Linares or, or getting stunned or buzzed a little by Campbell. He's got the potential to get hurt and stay hurt. And 
I tell you what, they both look really confident, but as usual, size matters, and it's hard to not pick Tiafimo as the bigger man, especially because Loma's been out of the ring for more than a year. He hasn't fought right. in 14 months. Well, and you know what the downside about this thing with Teofimo Lopez is that everybody feels like he's a slugger, but he actually can box. Yes, he's just even Loma. He doesn't even have a lot Loma of experience. His boxing IQ. I think that the the key for Loma is to take him to the deep water and to try to Drown confuse him, him mm-hmm. with what he does to fighters. He does that in the right. same vein that we watch Floyd Mayweather make fighters literally stop throwing punches because they're confused, and it'd be very interesting to see. I don't think Loma. Uh, I don't think Tiafimo has any quit in him. He's not like the rest of these guys. And this no. is finally going to be the time. If somebody's going to make me a believer in Loma, it is this. this would have to do it yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm with you. Fighting a guy that is at his level potentially, size wise, mm-hmm. ability wise, age wise. We watched him fight Rigondeau, and Rigondeau was, you know, he's a Cuban, thirty five. And he's actually a natural 122 pounder. And mm-hmm. that just that didn't work out right. Walters was his side. He's confused him. Gary Russell Jr. was his size. He confused him. But he, it's going to be interesting to see what ends up happening. And if Tiafimo takes notes from uh uh Saucedo, who's the guy that uh beat Loma by roughing him up. We're going to say roughhouse. And yeah. I think Tia, and that's that's sort of Tiafimo's style anyway, you know. And then with him being a young gunner like this, I actually, you know, I felt like I might be jumping on the jumping on too late as far as with Tiafimo because I feel like he literally might take this fight too early, but I still feel like he has the potential to win this fight. I I'm taking him over Lomachenko because I really haven't seen I I'm I feel like he's overrated Lomachenko. I really do. And I know that he's a great talent. He's a good talent, but I don't feel like he's one of the best ever, as people like to call him out to be. Yeah, man. I mean, people are really high on him, and that 400-fight amateur run is good on one level, but it's bad on another because it's a lot of winners here. (laughs) Right. Not only that, why do you fight 400 amateur fights? (laughs) That's a lot of amateur fights. Jump in the pros, man, if it's real. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so this is this is my thing, but I feel like I feel like Tiafimo will stun him, and I don't think that he can recover if he drops one and two on him, and maybe a three piece. Wow, wow! I won't be surprised. I'm, that might be on this. I'm sorry. I'm taking Tiafimo. Okay, okay. I know you got heart too. Hmm. Wow. Well, he's got heart, and we're about to see what's what. Staying in the lane of boxing. Man, the trilogy fight has fallen apart between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. What do you think that is? Do you think that they purposely missed their deadline to exercise the rematch clause? You know, you saw he got rid of the the uh, Wilder got rid of the trainer that actually saved his life. Yeah, Mark, uh, Mark Breland. Breland. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Yeah. That, what do you think it is? I think that uh, honestly, it seems like bad management, or he didn't want to fight. One or the other, because meaning Deontay Wilder didn't I want to fight. Why? Now Shelly Finkel's running around saying Deontay said he'll fight Fury any day, any time, anywhere. Well, yeah, but why Why do we have to keep changing the dates in order for you to fight since <laughs> you're fighting anywhere? I'll fight you any time except for now. <laughs> well, let's fight in five minutes. Well, I need I'm 10. I'm still busy, <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a Zoom. Hey, good job, man. Come on. 
get real. If you want to fight, fight. I understand that he's going to probably end up in the same situation that he did the last fight. And he knows that. He has that seed of doubt planted in his head now. He needs to show us as he was running his mouth against Anthony Joshua that he can come back. You know, one of the problems now is that now Tyson Fury is probably going on his tour to fight a bunch of guys that aren't ready to fight him, like Efe Ajaba. I hear that he's getting ready to fight Efe. Oh, really? And Yeah, but Efe, that's supposed to be one of his potential fights. They seem like it's number one right now. But Efe has the potential to knock him out, but Efe is not. We, we've seen Efe fight. He's not there yet. It doesn't look like it. Right. He would have to land that miracle punch, and he is just as hard as Deontay Wilder. We, we saw a guy after the fight that Efe Ajaba had actually changed the shape of his skull. <laughs> Remember that guy in the back? In the back? I, mean, I mean, so the guy's head was bent up. Wow. Man. So, you know, but Tyson Fury is a skilled boxer, and he understands, and he's got good trainers now. So he's a, he's a tough opponent. And I just think that Deontay Wilder might have just missed his train, especially since he passed up on that big money that he could have had to fight Anthony Joshua. Yeah, I don't think he needs a loan or anything, but I, I do believe that – uh it's going to be interesting to see where his career goes from this point, because even the trilogy is the kind of money that you write off into the sunset on, you know, if were, right. he, were he to have exercised that. And now Anthony Joshua was coming out and saying, yeah, I have every interest in fighting Tyson Fury, just not the circus. And he right. got his fight already set. So as long as Bob Arum said, as long as whoever Fury fights, he beats and whoever Joshua fights, uh, Pulev, he beats. There's no reason those two can't mix it up in April of next year. Pulev is a heavy hitter, man. He is. <laughs> he is. It's going to be interesting to see what Joshua does because now Joshua's looking at a year out of the ring, right? Right. Yeah. But if, is he going to be the fighter that's going to be on his toes or is he going to stand there and mix it up? You know, but he sounds like he's anxious to get back out there. And we've seen Deontay Wilder just drop off the face of the earth right now as far as being out there in front of the, you know, the people. Hopefully he can get himself together or just retire, which is nothing wrong with that. He can retire as one of the best heavyweights ever. You know, got the highest knockout ratio ever and whatnot. So he doesn't have anything to prove anybody. I mean, his 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 resume isn't in, isn't stacked with notables, but he still knocked people out. He knocked he knocked out the guys that were there. Yeah, I mean, come on, man, what you want him to do? I just feel like him missing this opportunity to fight Fury to get his belt back. It's probably going to lead to him never getting another opportunity to get his belts back mm. to get his belt back. Yeah, yes, man. Well, this is what we got, folks. Try to get you one out before all the action for sports starts. Trying to get you out two to three a week. Uh, we'll come back at you either tomorrow or Monday to discuss what's happening with what we discussed today. I'll leave you with a quote from John Wooden, which is completely apropos for where we are and with the election coming up. John Wooden, the famed UCLA basketball coach and maker of leaders and men, once said, a strong leader accepts blame and gives the credit. A weak leader gives blame and accepts the credit. Think about that when you get in the booth, folks. I'm your host, Omar Miller, and this is The Ozone. Ozone. I'm just living the dream.